morning's scripture reading will come from Acts, the second chapter, verses 22 through 24. If you'd like to follow along in the Bible in the pew in front of you, that'll be on page 966. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you are visiting with us, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. Isn't it a wonderful, wonderful thing that so many uh, around us in our community have decided to get up get dressed, and come and worship God this morning. I commend you on that decision, and let's make sure that we wake up every morning asking, what would God want me to do? To think about God being the leading role in our life is a wonderful thought. It's not a religious thing that we only do on the weekends. It's what we are. It's who we want to become. The last couple of weeks have have been uh, quite eventful for me and for my family and and for us on staff and and for the elders. And going back a couple of weeks ago, we really are appreciative to Don Humphrey and to Hollis McKinley for leading our worship uh, those uh, particular times during that day. And then this past week, JP did a tremendous job preaching and uh, appreciate so much his work and involvement and emphasizing that as we always try to do throughout January. And if you noticed on the calendar in in February this year, our emphasis is, remember, every, every month is with God we can, and then in February is with God we can reach the world. And we are so excited about that, we just can't wait till February. So beginning tonight, we will have an emphasis being brought on how we can reach out to Sudan. And we have one of our elders, Dwayne Griffin, and then also Don Humphrey, uh, will be traveling there this coming week. And so they will be telling us uh, about what... Uh, the plans are, and will be preaching to us tonight about God's will in reaching out to the world. Then I ask you, uh, of course, to be prayerful for that, for their trip for this evening, and then be prayerful also for this coming Sunday. Missions Emphasis Day will be divided in a sense in two ways. It hopefully will run seamlessly throughout the day, but the emphasis in the morning will be on reaching the world beginning right outside our doors. The world begins right here in Mount Juliet. And we will have a man that will come from Oklahoma. He will spend some time with our elders, deacons, and ministers at the retreat that will take place on Friday and Saturday, 24 hours, that the elders have asked the leaders of this congregation to come together. And what a blessing it is to be in a congregation uh, where the leaders respect each other. And, and no doubt that has always been a tremendous weekend for us to get together and to strengthen each other, and then also to make plans on how we can better do God's work. And so that'll take place this weekend. But then Ken Allen will also be speaking on Sunday morning. He, in his life, has been very successful at being a part of a work that has reached out into the local community around them. Then during Bible class, JP 
will present to us passages of Scripture as well as a plan of how we can reach in 2009 the community around us. Philip Slate will speak Sunday night. Many of you know of or either know Philip Slate. He, no doubt, is considered an expert in world evangelism. And we look forward to gaining from his wisdom and thinking, studying, praying, putting our best foot forward to say, let's evangelize the world. Seems like it's too big. With God, we can. With God, we can reach Mount Juliet. With God, we can reach the world. Be prayerful about that. I look forward to today, though. It's wonderful to be together. As we think about today, I think about a series that I'd like to begin and and warn you, it's not one that we'll just run sermon after sermon, week after week, but scattered throughout this year, we're going to spend a lot of time in Acts. If you're looking for something to read, go ahead this week and read through the book of Acts. And maybe you want to say once a month, I'll read through the book of Acts. I have loved so much the last few weeks just going back and rereading Acts a couple of times. And what a blessing it is to see things that we're reminded This is God in action. You know, man has given the name to the book of Acts. The long version of the name is Acts of the Apostles. But I want to challenge that a little bit throughout this study. Not to disagree, not to say, oh, that's wrong. I just want to challenge it in the sense of saying, maybe we need to think a little bit more uh, deeper and a little bit more broadly as we think about this. You see, really, it is not a book about just the Acts of the Apostles. Really, it's a book about the Acts of God. That's what we'll study this morning. If I were to ask you this morning, what's your favorite movie? Your answer would be, and you can say that in your mind right now, and then I want you to think about the lead character. Would it be your favorite movie if that person was not in the movie? You know, I know a lot of people, they pick and they appreciate their favorite movies based upon the fact that, oh, so-and-so did such a tremendous job in that movie. I love to just go back and re-watch it. And, and the role that they played or the way they acted, the awards they won because of it, wow, it really was tremendous. You know, when, when I think about the movie way back in the 40s, It's a Wonderful Life, it comes out almost every Christmas again, and and... There are, uh, the American Film Institute has said that this is the number one most inspirational movie that's ever been made. Can you imagine that movie without Jimmy Stewart? I just don't think that would be the same movie without Jimmy Stewart. Maybe it'd be a good storyline, and maybe, maybe it might have been the success that we know it today, although back in the 40s it wasn't known as the success that we know today. But we could arguably say that maybe it wouldn't even be a success today without him. As we think about the book of Acts, I want you to think about who is the lead character. Who is the one that's leading the way? Who is it that sets the pace? As we go through this action series, studying through the book of Acts, we need to see that it's starring God. It is all about the work of God. Sometimes we say the first half of the book of Acts is about Peter and the second half of the book of Acts is about the Acts of Paul. There's nothing wrong with that breakdown unless we fail to understand that those are only sub-themes. If we really want to set an accurate theme on the book of Acts, we have to say the book of Acts is about the beginning of the church to see the work of God in the lives of God's people. As we think about the question over and over again this year, if... 
our congregation ceased to exist in our community, would anyone notice? As we think about that, please note, we're not asking us as a church family, can you be just a little more busy? We're not asking, can you just for a good neighbor's sake just be a better neighbor? We're asking what would God do? If God were in flesh, Jesus Christ, what would God do in 2009 to reach out to the community around Him? Because we can read in the book of Acts and we can see for the first 30 years of the church, we can see what God would do. We can see the heart of God. We can see the action of God. We can see the compassion of God. And so for the next few minutes, what I'd like to do is just scan some things in the book of Acts. I hope you have your Bible open. And as we do this, we literally could look at every paragraph in the book of Acts. You know we don't have time for that this morning. And so there may be some things we overlook that are of great, great importance. There will be some things we'll overlook of great importance. But all I want to do in this is I want you to see that this isn't some neat spin that the preacher David is putting on a series this morning. I want you to see that this is what the book of Acts says. The book of Acts talks about the work of God. That's how the church began, by God working in the lives of people. And I believe that in 2009 that the church still should be the work of God working in the lives of people in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. For example, when we look in the very first chapter of the book of Acts, we see that the apostles and the other disciples after Jesus' resurrection... They didn't just hang around Jerusalem. Keep in mind, it wasn't their home. They didn't just hang around Jerusalem because they said, oh, I think this is a good work that Peter would want us to do. No, they stayed there because Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem for that promise that would be sent to them that God had made and that promise was going to be that they were going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so we go to Acts the second chapter. And when we look in Acts the second chapter, we... If we know our scriptures very much at all, we know that's the beginning of the church. And you say, look what Peter and the apostles did. Look how they began that church. No, maybe we should come from a more accurate description. Look what the Spirit of God did. Look how the Spirit of God was poured down in such a sense that it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Miraculously, they could speak languages that everyone could understand. And not only that, the scripture that was so capably read this morning about the resurrection, I want to remind you of that again. And if you have your Bible open, we don't have a screen here for it, but if you have your Bible open or in your pew Bible, it's on 966, notice the emphasis as Peter stands up and preaches that he places on God being a part of all this. Notice this again. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst. Do you see the emphasis Peter's bringing? He says, you remember Jesus? Did you notice how God worked in Jesus? God was Jesus in Jesus was God in flesh. And so he was saying, if you'll just think back to what you saw in the life of Jesus, he lived among you, and what you were seeing was God working among you. And then he goes on, and he says in 23, you crucified him. In 24, he said, God raised him up. And they hear this sermon, and in 37, they're pricked in their hearts. Now pause there for just a moment. 50 days before These were the men and women that were the mob standing out there saying, crucify him, crucify him. 
And now they realize they have crucified the Son of God. Now here's the question. What will God do? Action. What will God do to people that had just crucified His Son? It wasn't Peter's sermon. It was God. It was God who said, I'll save you. I'll keep my promise. I said that I'd make a promise to you and your children after you. Verse 39, I'll keep my promise. I'll save you even though you're the one that crucified my son. That's why we read at the end of this chapter in 47 that what they were doing was praising God and having favor with all the people. You think they didn't realize they had something to praise God about? We deserve to be the ones dying on the cross. We've done the most hideous deed that's ever been done. The only perfect man that's ever lived. The only time God came in flesh upon this earth and we crucified Him. And now God, His action, He saved us. Praise God and all of us had our hand in crucifying the Lord because it was my sin and it was your sin that put Jesus upon the cross. But we can look at the action of God. God has not stopped working today. God wants to save you just as much and in the same way that He wanted to save those individuals 50 days after the cross. We go to Acts, the third chapter, and we see God healing the crippled man. The lame man was healed, and Peter said, Why are you giving us the credit? It was God who did it. We go to the fourth chapter, and we see Peter's boldness, but it it wasn't because Peter was such a brave man. It was because he found his boldness in the fact that he was going to obey God rather than men, no matter what. We go to the fifth chapter and we see Ananias and Sapphira and their lies. And it wasn't just Peter or the apostles that sat down and said, Hey, uh, in this young church, what do you think we ought to do with liars? It was God who said, I'll set the pace. I'll show you what we're going to do in the church. We're going to have discipline. And this time it's going to be by execution. God's church hasn't stopped having discipline. Maybe not still by execution. But God was the one that set the pace in that and set the way. We go to the 7th and 8th chapter and we see Stephen giving his discourse about God and about God's people. And you remember when he is about to die, he looks up into heaven and he sees the action not of Jesus sitting at the right hand throne of God, but we see him standing, giving him encouragement by the fact that he was involved in the activities that were taking place. Acts the ninth chapter, there was one that was known as probably the greatest persecutor of the church of his day. And what did God do? In Acts the ninth chapter, it was God, it was the Lord who said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the one who had done so much harm to the church. You say, what would God do to somebody who's done so much harm to the church? Someone comes in today and they physically uh, abuse us. They, They kill some of our loved ones only because they're Christians. What would your reaction be? What should God do to them? God says, I'll show you what I'll do to people that will hurt my people. If they'll turn their heart around, God says, I'll save them. 
I'll love them just as much as I've loved anybody. Friends, that's the work of God we see. And then when you go to Acts the 10th chapter, you remember Peter being sent to Cornelius? And really, if you will read, with this theme we're studying this morning, if you'll read Acts 10 with that in mind, it's amazing. It is amazing how that leaps off the page because Peter just couldn't believe it. The vision had to be told to him three times. In other words, the point is this. Peter didn't go to Cornelius because Peter thought it was a good idea to go to Cornelius. It was the work of God. Now, God had to shake him three times in the vision say, I'm really serious about this. I really expect you to go to the Gentile. And as a matter of fact, he was still kind of so shook up about it. When he first got to Cornelius' house, do you remember one of the first things he says to him is look in 34. This is Acts 10, chapter 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and he said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. You hear what Peter was saying? I wouldn't be here if it were not for God And what I have learned about God through this experience is God loves Gentiles. I'm here because God loves Gentiles. And then the 11th chapter was where Peter and the others still had to discuss further. And Acts the 15th chapter is where it's even discussed further because it was hard for some of God's children to accept God's action. God's action was that the church is for everyone. There's no prejudice, no partiality. And it was hard for some of the Christians to accept that action. Thank God they did. Thank God that there was not a split in the church, Jerusalem, based upon a Gentile and a Jewish church, but instead we're all Christians. As we go deeper into the book of Acts, I'd like for you to think about In Acts the 13th chapter, we say, look at Paul and Barnabas being sent out on the missionary journey. Do you remember, it wasn't just Antioch that sent them out. And it wasn't just Paul and and Barnabas sitting down and saying, hey, let's make some plans this year of mission work. It was the Holy Spirit of God who came and sent them out. And when we look at Acts the 20th chapter, we see Paul sitting down and talking to the elders of Ephesus And remember what he says to him in 28? He said that the Holy Spirit had made them overseers. You see, today, even when we see the office of elders, it's not man-made. God made that office. So we see the qualifications. God made those qualifications. We see the work and responsibility. God made those. It's the action of God. And when we look in Acts, the 27th chapter, we read about that voyage to Rome, and we see that it was God that was involved in that voyage. It was God that, that protected them. It was God that spared the lives. There were seasoned sailors that were afraid. They were scared. They believed they were going to die. And without God, they would have died. So who is this God? He's a God that not only can save lives. He's a God that not only can direct our lives. He's a God that can still a storm. Or He's a God that can send a storm. Or He's a God that can save us in the midst of a storm. Who is He? He's alive. He is powerful. And He is a God that when we get to the last verse of the book of Acts... I think all of us would do well to remember this is what God wants our life to be about. Here is Paul. He is under house arrest. He's finishing up. Luke is finishing up this beautiful, beautiful writing about God. God's working in the first 30 years of the church. 
And he reminds us of what Paul's emphasis was. Look in 30 and 31. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him and preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your eyes on that again. See the twin themes? Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Hey, Paul, if you have the opportunity to to teach something, what do you teach? I teach the kingdom of heaven and Jesus Christ. Paul, when you live your life, what's your emphasis? I want to make sure that I'm living my life faithfully in the kingdom of God and according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Paul, if you had two things you had to concentrate upon, he says, I'd concentrate upon the kingdom of God. That's the church on this earth. I'd concentrate upon the church, the kingdom of God, and I'd concentrate upon the teachings of Jesus I want to ask you this morning, is God, is His fingerprints alive in your life? Do you realize if you took the fingerprints of God out of the book of Acts, there would not be a book? I'm not saying it'd be half that size. I'm not saying it'd be a third or a fifth or a tenth. Do you realize if you said... Let's just take God out of it. Let's, just, let's only study about Peter and Paul in the book of Acts. Let's take God out of it. There is no book of Acts. I don't ask this with doubts. I ask this to promote our thinking. In our 117 or 18 years of existence as a congregation... When we go back and look at our history, do you see the fingerprints of God? Do you realize if a church can't see the fingerprints of God, something is wrong with that church? What about your life? Right now, if you had to get out four or five pieces of paper and you had to write the major events of your life story down, would you see the fingerprints of God in your life? Or have you shut God out of your life? What about 2009? as a church family, as we try to minister to each other, serve each other, as we try to reach out to a community around us, and then as we try to lift our eyes a little bit more broadly and and reach a world, do you realize, do you embrace, do you feel empowered to say, I just want to do God's work. I want to join up as a partner with God. This morning, we aren't living the life we were designed to live if God is not the lead character, the leading role in our life. We've asked some questions about the past. And we are now going to extend an invitation 
And I ask you this. Do you need to write a new chapter in your life this morning? And does that chapter need to simply be this morning is the morning that I put God in charge of my life. This is the morning that I give it all over to Him. This is the morning I will follow where He leads. I'll be clay in the potter's hand. I'll be a sheep following the shepherd. I'll be a sinner, but I'll stand at the foot of the cross. Let's make sure we all leave here this morning. Let's make sure that as a church family, we always strive to have the fingerprints of God in everything that we are and everything that we do. If you've never come to Christ as your Savior and you want to come to Him this morning as a believer, willing to leave behind the world and to come to Him, that's repentance, and confess, not be ashamed, but to stand for Him and to be baptized to wash those sins away, We'd love to help you with that this morning. If you have more questions and you'd love to study more, please let us know. We'd love to do that with you today also. Maybe you've come to Christ, but somewhere along the way you've left Christ and you simply want to come back to Him again. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand as we sing.